It ain't the left side or the right side, then it must be the fin side. It ain't the left side. Good evening, Dolphins fans. Welcome to uh, the On the Fin Side podcast with Kat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, all of our social media outlets, as well as finfanatic.com and the Fan Sided Network. I'm Brian Cat NFL. Paul is fanatic underscore pick on Twitter. Paul, I didn't think I would be seeing uh, seeing your face here again today um, after we wrapped up the Dolphins win over the Patriots yesterday. It looked like we we're going to have a really good taste in our mouth heading into the offseason. And we get some unexpected news today. Brian Flores is out as head coach of the Miami Dolphins. Certainly not something at least I was expecting here today. I wasn't expecting it today. I, I, I truly wasn't. It's, But the more I sit back with it, the more I spin it, the more I'm okay with it. Because one of the things I was planning to talk about, and this totally blows up one of the things I was planning to talk about, was that I would have liked to see the Dolphins take and do what they initially tried to do with Brian Flores and get someone like Jim Caldwell to come in and be a coaching advisor for him this offseason because there were so many moments this season, and I know I talked about them on our breakdown yesterday, where I felt like the coaching failed this team. Now, this is a team that there were some definite holes in the in, in the roster. Don't get me wrong in any way, shape, or form. I understand there are holes in the roster. I can see the plan to try to fill those this offseason and the setup to try to fill those this offseason. But things like not utilizing the defense that made your defense special last season until you're 1-7 are unforgivable to me. It's not being able to have a blocking scheme that accounts for a defensive end on a pass play is the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my life. I, I would call it stupid at 9U football. Um, you know, not having a game plan for the weather. Stupid. And, and trying like, Tua didn't play a great game against Tennessee, but you know what? They didn't have a very good game plan at all for Tennessee. They got away from the zero blitz a lot. They tried to pass the ball in rain and freezing weather and oh no the ball slipped out a few times trying to pass it 90% of the downs go figure who saw that coming yeah uh, there's a lot there I mean I I have gotten progressively angrier throughout the day after hearing Flores was fired and I'll take the the understanding part and the I don't understand what the heck they're doing part uh, on this. Uh, number one, uh, just to put it as, as simply as I can, I think Brian Flores is better at his job than Tua Tungavailoa and Chris Greer are at their jobs as we sit here today. And that is hard for me to say, but I, I believe that to be true. And as far as as – Brian Flores and what he's done. I think there is something to be said about the amount of wins that the Dolphins have been able to put together consecutively over the last two years. When the message get through, gets through, it really gets through. And I think there is a major talent deficiency on offense. Once you get past Jalen Waddle, Mike Gesicki, and Robert Hunt, I can't say anyone with a straight face is a starting caliber player. You know, and that that factors into it, too. And the other thing that I'm upset about, too, is I'm sorry, but you got to fire Chris Greer, too. You have to. 
I it, we it makes disagree on that. I, I, yeah, I, I mean, I to me it makes no sense, and it's not that. You know, I I know a lot of people want to fire Chris Greer because they took Tua over Herbert. Okay, fine. Um, but I, I really, when you fire the head coach, like you have in this way, I think the general manager is basically basically guilty until proven innocent in that scenario. And now, the optics of this look really bad to me because what you're telling this neck this group of available head coaches is number one, Chris Greer can do no wrong, can do no wrong. And number two, if you have back-to-back winning seasons for the Miami Dolphins, if you come in here, start over, have back-to-back winning seasons for the Dolphins, we might fire you. So that's that's, that's playing with facts, but that that's the facts can be used in different directions on that. I mean, it's the things that, that Stephen Ross said today, and, and by no means do I do I love Stephen Ross. It, it's, but the things he said today about some of the conflict, some of the condescension. It's if if any of that's remotely true, if things like the cutting of Jermaine Illuminor were basically because Flo walked in and said, "I can't use that guy," which that's speculation, but I can't see Greer cutting Jermaine Illuminor. Flo's like, "Hell yeah, I'm going to start him." Leaves. Doesn't even have an offseason with the Raiders. Walks in the door. Starts. Skippy Skura. Gets cut for Dieter, I think. And Dieter Dieter is a starting caliber guy. But immediately leaves, walks into a starting job, and and does well. The the GM can get the guys in the building, but the coaching staff has to say, yay or nay, I'm going to use this guy. Yay or nay, he's going to play for me. Yay or nay. X, Y, Z, and then the GM's going to go, you, what's he going to do? Force a guy to stay on the roster? Uh, Devontae Parker's starting caliber to me. Um, Dieter's starting caliber. Tua, I think the jury's out on. But I think Flo has the potential to be the greatest of the three, probably, as far as coach, GM, or quarterback. But I don't think Flo is there, and it speaks volumes that we've gone through how many offensive coordinators, how many defensive coordinators, and Patrick Graham isn't a problem. He's up in he's up in New York, the one coach worth worth anything on the Giants coaching staff. It was just Flo didn't want to work with him anymore. It was was the best the closest thing we got to an explanation. It's there's there's starting to be a pattern of people not being able to play in the sandbox with Flores. Yeah, that, and, that's and, been said and, a lot here today, and uh, there is something to be said about that. I mean, like, why isn't Steve Marshall the offensive line coach anymore? Like, I, I thought that the offensive line, it wasn't great last year, but I, I thought they played above their talent level. I definitely can't say that for this year when you when you promote Lamel Jean-Pierre, who is just tripping over coffee tables uh, on, on his, on his uh, Zoom interview can't can't even get words out of his mouth i don't know how he's supposed to be teaching and motivating an, an offensive line so yeah that line. now now that but that that brings up an inter- interesting point like take a look at and, and i still maintain that the that the first domino that fell was the offensive line playing so bad this year it got to a hurt and it made the first six or seven games on offense unplayable i look at that and say who had a first round grade on liam eichenberg and Austin Jackson, who thought that they could be your starting left tackle in the NFL. 
Now, the other side of that coin is maybe they're a little more talented than we give them credit for. And we didn't have a coaching staff to be able to coach them up properly. That's really the argument that goes back and forth. Well, and, and you and I both know we've seen it a thousand times with, with players in the NFL, players in any sport. If you've had a coaching carousel, which, sure, Flores remained, but you're spinning new offensive coordinators and systems every year across these guys' faces. You're spinning defensive systems. And the weird part for me is on the defensive side of the ball, if the Dolphins hadn't run that that and they didn't even fully get back to the psycho defense they ran last year, but they did get to that cover zero look that without without the moving around bits, basically. And if they hadn't done it last season and they suddenly stumbled across the gold mine of it in week nine this year, we'd be talking about a whole different story. Hey, great job, coach, adjusting. Like, whereas this is like, hey, great job, coach, finally realizing this patient just sit back and watch him defense and react to what they do isn't working but oh yeah that thing you did last year with almost the same personnel except for a couple of guys that have been upgraded suddenly is one of the best defenses in the nfl when you just get back to what works so to that to that point too i wonder if it is a coincidence that the minute brian flores started walking along the sideline with uh, with play calling sheets on defense they started playing more aggressively that that's got to i don't know may, maybe that's just a coincidence but I, I tend to believe that Josh Boyer had some responsibilities taken from him this year and Brian Flores was calling a lot more plays and if that's the case it was working and that's another one of my big concerns here and, and a lot of players here um you know Raquan Davis Nick Needham Jerome Baker based on the reaction on social media, very upset that this happened. And not Devontae Parker. Not Devontae Parker. No, he, he liked a post uh, <laughs> that and said think, Brian Flores is fired. And, I think this gives us a better chance of retaining Mike Gesicki. Hey, Dolphins fans. The Players' Tribune has launched its first ever mental health podcast called Blindsided, hosted by former NHL goalie Corey Hirsch and psychiatrist Dr. Diane McIntosh. This show will share the moments for a variety of athletes when everything changed for them and mental health became the most important focus in their lives. It allows listeners to have an understanding of the different types of mental health challenges that people face. Some of the guests this season include Kevin Love, Paul Bissonette, and Kurt Warner. We encourage all you to go out, go to the Players' Tribune, and check out the podcast, Blindsided. Uh, I think you might be right on that. And, yeah, there... Flores is a coach where if you're a defensive player and you like to be coached hard, you love Brian Flores. Offensively, I don't see a lot of nice things being said about him. And it's also telling that two is is what Trainer said a couple of months ago that you can't even talk to this guy, you know, and there's clearly something going on there between two and Flores. Not to mention it's it's becoming more and more obvious today that Flores was the one driving the bus or pushing for Deshaun Watson, which could be a fireable offense in itself, trying to make that trade for him before the deadline when you know that's not gonna happen. Well, and, and you I think you hit on something there too, because I'm thinking back to some of the Zoom interviews I've been on with Tua at times. Um and the accountability that I've seen him take when he's doing when he makes mistakes, when other people make mistakes, he's usually the first one to say, that's me. 
that's on me that's that's my fault and i'm gonna work that out and make it better like it, it's that's whether whether you love his skill set or not that particular skill he takes ownership of anything that goes wrong on that offense and <laughs> for him to basically there were multiple times the last two weeks including in the win yesterday where it almost looked like he wanted to just stand up and tell Flores to go F himself. And uh, that it, says a uh, lot. It, who was say, saying that? I missed that part. Who was, no, uh, just who, watching him on the sidelines at times in both the Tennessee game and the New England game yesterday, it looked like he wanted to stand up and tell Flores to go F himself, and Flores wanted to turn around and tell him to go F himself. There was really bad body language, and maybe it was just a misread, but there was pretty bad body language between the two of them on that sideline. And yeah, yeah, I've I've picked up on that too, and yeah. and it's another, suddenly over the last two weeks, and that brings us to to Steve Ross. I mean, let me ask you this: Why is it that that the um, that ten years ago we're having this exact same problem between Tony Sperano and Jeff Ireland? Like, why? is Steve Ross forcing these arranged GM head coaching marriages? I mean, like, and, and this is my problem with them not firing Chris Greer as if Chris Greer is any clout anyway. He shouldn't. Uh, when it comes to that, fire both of them. Hire another GM and a head coach. Because what's going to happen? You're going to hire a head coach, and you're probably not going to get the guys you want because of the way that you treated uh, Brian Flores, or at least the optics surrounding how it looks like you treated Brian Flores here. So I, I don't know. I, I it's the one constant is Steve Ross. The so I do see a lot of similarities between that Steve Ross, Jeff Ireland, Jim Harbaugh, Tony Sperano debacle ten years ago. Uh, the and and I know you and I had some behind the scenes conversations with folks, etc. around that. And basically, and, and this is Tony Sperano's a cousin of a family friend or was a cousin of a family friend. But it got to the point after that which rightfully so, Steve Ross basically put his foot in his mouth and thought he could just slip away and you know, talk see other people and went out went out to talk to Harbaugh and Sperano took it real personal. And he put Ireland in a weird situation. And Sperano is basically turning around, grunting at Ireland if he says hi in the hallway, not speaking to Steve Ross. And I don't care who you are, like, and I don't care what the owner of your company does, you can't walk around basically just grunting at people and refusing to speak to them, especially people that are above you and that you have to work with. It, that, that doesn't work. And I will say this situation is a little different. Like, I don't love Steve Ross, but I do like the fact that he turned around today and said, look, I looked at everything. I looked at what people were saying. This was my call. This wasn't, he's a great coach, but personality-wise, this was not working between him and Greer and him and other people. And he was the constant. And he basically said, this was my decision and solely my decision that this could not continue. We're in a position to win and win soon. And we need to get somebody in here to do that. Now, this coaching search is going to be very telling 
and very huge in that regard. I don't want to coach, and that's one of the reasons why I was very happy he came out and said, I'm not taking Jim Harbaugh. Um, because Jim Harbaugh to me would be a guy that comes in and tries to tear it down to the studs and do everything his way and let's reset crap for another four years. This is a roster that isn't losing a lot of key people this offseason. This is a roster that has $76 million in cap space as we stand today. This is a roster that has been positioned to be able to go after the deepest position in this, in this free agent class, which is offensive line. And, and you know, it, it's they, they're set up well with the draft as well overall. So, again, this is, this is something that could work very well if they get the right guy and they do it now. Yeah, it's going to be an important uh, head coaching search. And uh, Aiden and Chad, thank you very much for your contribution. Uh, is, and he asks, too, is this down to Ross trying to win now due to his age? Um, I no, I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I don't think he made – I don't think firing Flores is a reckless decision. I, I, I mean, I, I, I do go back and forth on actually fi- firing Flores. It's not that. It's it's not firing both of them at the same time and restarting. I I, I don't but, think Chris Greer has earned that right. I, but I also don't think Chris Greer has earned being fired. And that's where it's when Miami got out of their own way coaching-wise, they won a lot of games. And when they didn't get out of their own way coaching-wise, they lost a lot of games. And Chris Greer has set this up in such a way, like I said, for, for this coming offseason. we got a handful of guys that really should be re-signed. We're not losing a lot of key guys, and we're positioned well to supplement where we need it. And that's a big thing. I mean, I, I, don't, I can't recall ever seeing a player sit at the podium, get asked about, so... Did you guys have a game plan for the weather, or did you at least adjust to the weather that was predicted for the game, that happened during the game, during the game, and literally just lean forward and go, no, and just sit back. Like, not expand on it, just the tone, the face, and just the one-word answer said everything I needed to hear, and it was something you and I said on our post-game review. Yeah, yeah that, I think that's fair. And, uh, yeah, if, if if you're an offensive player, you probably didn't like Flores because the offense wasn't playing well. And defensively, you probably loved him because Flores is a defensive guy and they were being successful on the defensive side of the ball. But you probably didn't the first eight weeks of the year. Uh, no, but th- then again, too, did Flores take over a lot of the play calling defensively? What and, took him eight weeks? Yeah, to, to – Maybe nudge Josh Boyer out of the way, but right, I don't know right. if that I, I I that's more of a feeling I have, not necessarily something I, I I know for a fact. And speaking of that, the next Dolphins head coach here, I mean, I I think it's inc- incredibly important that you do keep Josh Boyer and Gerald Alexander. I I mean, I thought over a total of two years, Josh Boyer's done a really good job as defensive coordinator, but more more importantly. You've got Byron Jones and Xavier Howard at cornerback, and that's the strength of your defense there. You better not be getting into getting one of these defensive coaches that plays this this off ball zone cornerback uh, technique here, because if you do, you might as well just get rid of Byron Jones. You may as well get rid of Xavier Howard, because that's not 
that's not them playing to their strengths. So I think it's important personnel-wise to continue to have the same continuity on defense. I do as well. Um, and there are a number of candidates out there. I just want to run through a couple I don't want. I was very happy to see Steve Ross say today, we are no on Jim Harbaugh because I don't want him. And I apologize, I made the list on my phone, so i got to look at that here. Jim Caldwell, I feel like he's too old. I like him more in an advisory type of role. Uh, Josh McDaniels is a hell no hard pass for me. Matt Patricia, nope. Byron Lefwich, I think he could get there, but I don't think he's there yet. Um, Hackett from Green Bay, the offensive coordinator. Oh, wow, you look good with Aaron Rodgers, two, two stud running backs, and Devontae Adams. Good for you. Like, I'm good there. Dable's a maybe. I know they requested permission. Gerard Mayo, I wouldn't look at as a head coach. But if they do make a change of defensive coordinator, I'd actually be a little bit willing to look at that as a possibility. Um, I also forgot to write down, um, oh, God, the, he used to be a linebacker. D'Amico Ryans. I would flirt with the idea of him as a DC, as a DC, but I wouldn't flirt with him at head coach quite yet. He's been phenomenal as a defensive, as, as a linebackers coach, and I think as a defensive coordinator at this point. So, okay, so Paul, who are your top three um, guys that you not necessarily you think would get hired for the Dolphins' job, but that you want? I would take a look. Eric Bieniemy is a huge one for me. Uh, have him come in run the offense. You can. Look at one of those guys for D.C. If uh, Boyer doesn't stay, if Boyer does stay, you know the defensive side of the ball is already handled at that point unless what you said has some credence there as far as Flo having to push him out of the way and run it the right way. Or the enemy just comes in and basically says, look, you are doing it this way or I will remove you of your duties and find somebody who will. Um, And I'm good with that. Like, it's, you know... um, I thought about Todd Bowles, but actually I'm going to go back to a familiar name here. Patrick Graham. Uh, I loved Patrick Graham. I was pissed when Flores ran him out of the building for reasons I still don't understand. Because the defense was playing well under Graham. And he's my one defensive guy on this list. Um, And then I kind of flirt back and forth with Luke Fickle of uh, the Cincinnati Bearcats. And Matt Campbell from Iowa State. Two college okay. guys I really like that I think are ready to make the jump. Got it. Okay. No, that's a, that's a good list. I was thinking about Patrick Graham, too, but I, I think that's just too similar. And it would be I, him going from the Giants to the Dolphins to the Giants back to the Dolphins in a span of five years would be unheard of. Um, Eric, I'm, the okay, enemy, I, I'm okay with unheard of, though. That's the thing. Like, it's... It's, it would be weird, I would say. Uh, uh, weird only lasts to start winning. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think Graham will get a head coaching job somewhere. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, Matt Campbell from Iowa State. Uh, yeah, that's that's somebody that that that's been talked about as a as a head coach in the NFL. I personally would want to stay away from the first time NFL head coaches, but I, I think there is some upside to to doing that too. So my three were one that the Dolphins just as about an hour ago have gotten permission to interview. That's uh, Brian Dable. And if in this whole thing here, again, I don't think the Dolphins are going to have a quarterback other than Tua. Um, I I don't think they're going to get to Sean Watson. And 
I Aaron Rodgers to me is either going to stay in Green Bay or he's going to retire. You just never know what's going to go on with him. But I don't see him coming to a place like Miami, which you know the personnel in Miami really doesn't fit his skill set anyway. Uh, or Russell Wilson. You're probably going to have to trade three first rounders for Russell Wilson, who's 34 years old. When they look at all that, I think the best and clearest pathway: <laughs> go sign two offensive tackles, hire Brian Dable, and give it one more year with Tua, and hope that instead of being, I don't know, the 20th best quarterback in the NFL, which I think he is now, have him be uh, with more protection. Pray that that he's a, a top 10 to top 12 quarterback at the end of the year, which I think. After the Panthers and Giants game, when he had four straight games of the quarterback rating over 100, I, st- I think it started to look like it was within reach. So protect him, give him a whole offseason with Brian Dable as coach. Uh, Brian Dable was uh, was to his offensive coordinator back at Alabama. So Brian Dable's number one. Number two for me is Kevin O'Connell, and that's the Rams quarterback co- quarterback's coach. And you see a lot of guys falling off that Sean McVay tree recently, Brandon Staley, um, who, who have been successful. And, and Kevin O'Connell's been a really big name here in, in NFL circles as that quarterback's coach. And, you know, I, I could see him being, you know, the next the next Sean McVay type. And third, it's it's a distant third, but I'm going to – I said I said Byron Leftwich. You know, even though Byron Leftwich has Tom Brady as his quarterback, even before Brady arrived, the, the Bucks also had a top-10 offense – with Jameis Winston. So yep. I, I think he's got a great personality too. I, I still have the memory of him in college 20 years ago when in that, that I think it was a bowl game where he got hit and his teammates carried him down the field and, and he finished the game, even though he probably shouldn't have. So those are my top three guys, but Paul, who do you think is going to be the Dolphins head coach? You know, one thing I want to, I just want to comment on yours real quick. I do like that list. I would say, and, and and I want to bring it up just because M. Jones brought up in chat, one dark horse name as well for the head coaching gig would be Kellen Moore, offensive coordinator for the Cowboys. He I was thinking about that too. He's only 32, but yeah, I mean. He would be great for Tua. It's the way he's able to design personal, and he'd be great for guys like Gasicki, Waddle, Parker, um, to really be able to design offenses and packages to take advantage of their skill sets in, in ways we haven't seen with the offense and possibly be able to do the things with the defense. It's just, can he command the locker room at 32 years old without a head coach above him? And that's the curiosity I have. Um, it, it, he looks like somebody who, who I gave, who I uh, gave an atomic wedgie to in high school. That's what, uh, that's what it <laughs> looks like. But no, that's, he, that, that, that's Zach Taylor as well though. So, you know, and he's a player. Yeah, yeah. And Zach Taylor's another name too of, uh, you know, him and, Zach Taylor, Brandon Staley, two guys from the Sean McVay tree, just like Kevin O'Connell. And on my notes here, you probably can't see it, but uh, the I actually had Kellen Moore as the third guy, and I scratched it out and put Byron Leftwich. Yeah, I mean, I think there's significant upside. And it's, in terms of working with Tua, you know, Kellen Moore had to get to the NFL and got a couple of starts, even though physically he had no business doing that. So um, it's, it's certainly... He certainly would understand how to work with a quarterback who has physical limitations. I mean, look, Dak Prescott with the Cowboys has some physical limitations as well. So that could be an interesting transition. Yeah, you know, I think I'm going to go back to Kellen Moore for my third guy. You talked me into it. I like it. I like it a lot. But 
at the end of the day, I have a hunch it's going to be Eric Bieniemy. Uh, I think he's going to finally get that break he should have gotten four years ago at this point. And I think he's going to be good for the Dolphins. And if he can come in, if he and Greer can sit down, hash out how they want things to work out, uh, from what I understand, Bieniemy is a good guy to work with as well. Uh, and, and that's going to probably go a little ways in this coaching search because it, it's, you know, yeah, but I, I think it's going to end up being the enemy. I, I, I think Doug Peterson sounds like a nice thing. I know, wow, Dan Marino wants the guy he used to work with is the rumor out there. I like Dan. I love Dan. He, he's, he's such a special part of my childhood. Let's leave the coaching assessments to the people that do coaching assessments, though. Yeah, I am not. Um, I'm not big on Doug Peterson. Yeah, I know he won a Super Bowl. Um, we have guys that can, can't manage their weight as it is. I don't need the guy that just constantly buys ice cream for his players. <laughs> Was that a thing? Oh, my God. If you haven't seen this, all right. So go out, go to Josh Houts' channel on Twitter. And he's got a video clip together. I don't know if he made it or just found it and brought it. But it's literally just like 25 times just short clips of like, all right, guys, you're going to watch this video. And then I got ice cream ready for you in the other room. I bought you guys some ice cream. I'm treating you all to ice cream today. Like just literally just like 25 different occasions of him like, hey, I'm treating you guys to ice cream today. Like, God, God, Solomon Kinley doesn't need people buying him ice cream every week. Yeah, that could be a problem. Um, yeah. I, I I want somebody with a presence and the the not somebody that brings presence. Yeah, <laughs> the guy that I think is going to be the Dolphins' next head coach. Not this is just a hunch and just a guess. You may as well get your 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 barf bag out here. Um, my prediction is Dennis Allen, and here's why: is a couple years ago. The he was close. Do, he, well, he, he, I mean, he was runner up to Brian Flores as far as I, I mean, he really impressed the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, I, I look at, I mean, you've got Reggie McKenzie working for the Dol- working for the Dolphins, and Reggie McKenzie was with the Raiders between 2012 and 2014. Dennis Allen was the head coach, he went eight and 28. How do you even let the guy in the building to get an interview? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Now, having said that, with the Saints, they they use a lot of the same concepts on defense that Brian Flores does. You know, they they like leaving cornerbacks out on an island and putting a lot of faith in their defensive backs. Um, they they don't blitz as much as the Dolphins, but still, they you know with, with the way they treat the secondary, there could be some overlap there. Um, I don't think he has a presence at all. Uh, I think he is destined to be a career coordinator as opposed to a head coach. I, I still, I, I look at uh, what he brings defensively. And a lot of times when you fire somebody like Brian Flores, who was really a steamroller and couldn't work with people. Sometimes you go to the complete opposite side and you get a true players coach. And that's what Dennis Allen would be. I wouldn't like the hire, but if it's not Brian Dable, I have a feeling they're going to start looking in that direction. I think it's possible, but, you know, end of the day, I, I want somebody that's going to work with the 
blueprint that's already there. And maybe if we get a coach in that's a first-time head coach, we can work with him in getting Caldwell in his advisory role. I don't think Caldwell's going to be a head coach again. I think that's just rumors. I don't think think Caldwell's going to be around, period. Um, It just – I mean, haven't we done that already? Didn't he leave? No explanation? Just completely Will Fuller did? And no, he had medical issues. That was that was by all reports, he had some serious medical issues, and that's something I've heard outside of Dolphin circles, not just. No, that's right. He did have he did have med- medical issues. Yeah. Um, so I mean, ha- having him in an advisory role and setting it up the right way, may it, you know, if he's beyond his medical issues, he's what seventy years old now. I mean, seventy five. So let him ha- be in an advisory role, somewhat on his terms. And I'm okay with that, but I don't want him truly running anything, but just like, hey, you're a consultant that we can reach out to when we need to. If you see something you want to talk about, give us a call. Here's a million bucks, buddy. Have, have a good day. Like, you know, like, I was really excited to get Jim Caldwell uh, on board the first time, and uh, yeah, it was a shame when he left right before the season. Um, someone in chat here, uh, Tyler uh, Orion brought up, and this is something good for you to know here, Paul, is if the if Eric Bieniemy were to be co- the coach of the Dolphins, then that is Deshaun Watson's number one. He, Deshaun Watson loves Eric Bieniemy. In fact, the big reason they had the falling out with the Texans is because uh, Deshaun Watson wanted Bieniemy to be the head coach, and the Texans didn't give him even an interview. So... Well, if the Texans hire Flores, but that's a whole different point. That's a whole different story. What's that? If, if 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 the Texans hire Flores, which their front office has connections to him, so long as they they can promise Flores, they're going to keep that racist old owner away from him. Maybe that's a moot point. Flores gets his guy without even having to trade for him, and gets to be a head coach again, like that. Uh, Grandizer said Caldwell's 66. Wow, I could have swore he was older than that. <clears throat> um, Thanks, Grandy. You, so we'll see. We'll see. And uh, right now the Dolphins have one coaching candidate that they've gra- been granted access to to speak with. I'm not sure when. And that is Brian Dable. And it'll be telling there, too, because if Dable wants to work with Tua, and is still cra- as crazy about two as he was back in college, It's an, it should be a no-brainer. Why wouldn't he want to come here? But if he doesn't come here, that's a more telling sign that either he doesn't want to work with this organization or, hey, yeah, I saw two in college and he was great, but am I going to hitch my wagon to him if my career is on the line? I hope he does. You know, and, and I, I, I hope it works out because nobody knows what what Tua Tungavailoa is better at or is good at better than than Brian Dable. So we will see. Um, Paul, anything you want to add on uh, here tonight? Um, No, like, I mean, I think. I think the enemy could look at this and you if he's able to retain this defensive style and, and and retain Boyer to run it if he's going to run it the right way um, and know that basically he he's just got to get Tua to be okay 
for this team to go somewhere and keep Tua upright for this team to go somewhere. And if he already knows that Greer's willing to go out and spend the money to put some guys on either side of Tua at, at those bookend positions to be something. Absolutely. And we don't know truly which guys on this roster were Flores pounding the table for him. I will say it probably means Landon Roberts is gone, uh, most likely. It's I looked at him as possibly being chased because I know Flores likes the guy, but I think that may be a death knell for him. And who knows if Flores was like, I want Austin Jackson, or whichever offensive line coach he had at the time was like, I want Austin Jackson. You know, who knows if Lemel St. Pierre tried to say something else and they thought he said Eichenberg. Like, because we just don't know what incoherency mumbled out of his mouth at the time. Like, it's, you know, but it's just, we don't truly know that. It's, it's like Tony Sperano pounding the table for Joe, was it Sperano or Philbin pounded the table for uh, Michael Agnew? Like, it, it's. It's Phil, uh, Philbin, yeah. It was uh, Philbin. Yeah, like, it, it's, you know, Philbot. Well,. But, yeah, I mean, I, I I go back to this just to keep it keep it simple. Twenty twenty one Dolphins had a terrible strategy of going into the year with Tua behind the worst offensive line in the NFL, and I said it in August that that was my biggest fear heading into the season, and it was worse than I could have ever imagined. And when you look at the personnel decisions that are made, you had three at least three offensive linemen, Eichenberg. Austin Jackson, Jesse Davis, they were unplayable this year. And when Dieter was out of the lineup and Austin Ryder was there at center, he was unplayable. So it was a bad strategy to begin with. So you said talk, keeping the quarterback upright, the value of, of getting two really good tackles and free agents, I hope they get Teron Armstead and Trent Brown and pay whatever they, they have to to get them, is that when you do that, you're going to actually know about Tua and you're going to give him a full season. Until then, it's going to be this, well, if he had a better offensive line, he would be in the right court. No. You know, we've got to find out. No, absolutely. And that's that's the path of least resistance here for this franchise is for Tua to be even just okay enough. Even just okay enough. And we haven't gotten to truly analyze that yet. It's We're basically just over a season into his career at this point uh, with the games he's been able to play. And it's... There's a lot. I mean, and don't get me wrong, too. I'll go back to coaching again. They didn't run the ball enough to keep defenses honest, so they were just able to pin their ears back. And nine times out of ten, if you guessed pass, you were right. Yeah. So we'll see. It's going to be what a weird first day of the offseason. Can't wait for all the Twitter Dolphins fans food fights all throughout the season just gonna sit back and enjoy uh, let me add one thing here though cat real quick just because i know you've seen it i know i've seen it i've had a lot of conversation with friends and people i barely know and things like that today guys when you go out on twitter or if you go on a lot of these youtube channels one thing i'm really proud of that you and i do cat is and and, and you know i don't to- toot our horns very often we don't just throw a bunch of crap at the wall, see what sticks, and then go, see? See, I said that. Like, and don't ignore everything around it. Like, it, it's... Don't go falling for a whole bunch of unsubstantiated rumors and people claiming sources, and they talk to some guy in a grass skirt in a back alley that came out of a hidden door in the wall and said, look, this is what's going on with everything. Don't tell anybody I told you this. And 
you know, like stupid, like calling him with a voice changer and saying goofy little things like that. Like, just keep an open mind. Try to look for facts and don't just buy in on, on rumors and hearsay because there's so much of that today. It's insane. It is, and that's why I look for patterns in, mm-hmm. in what I see out there. And here's the pattern with Steve Ross's owner. He constantly creates dysfunctional environments. And then I'm reminded of a quote from uh, uh, Moneyball here. I want to make sure I, I, I get this right here. Is uh, The one thing about having money is that it buys a lot of things. One of which is it gives you the luxury to disregard what other people think. That's Steve Ross to me. And now, here we are. And if, if, if you read, look at the press clippings from four years ago, which when you were talking about Adam Gase and Mike Tannenbaum in a dysfunctional front office, now here we are four years later talking about a dysfunctional front office, people yelling at each other, like, get your house in order. Do but things sounds, the right way. It sounds like there was one guy doing it. And they and, and, and this time everybody stepped up and said, nah, he's gotta go. Uh, I think I think people, uh, when Brian Flores leaves the building, are going to start untucking their shirts a little bit too, and that's Picking the other gum side. Rappers of it. on their own. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we'll see. So uh, that's going to do it for our breakdown here of Brian Flores, no longer with the Miami Dolphins. The coaching search will continue. We'll keep you updated on that. We're going to try to still do a couple of shows a week here. We will do at least one show a week, and any. More shows when something like this pops up, too. Thank you all for joining us here on such short notice. We love you guys, and uh, you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, um, the FinFanatic.com website, the Fansided Network, and all of our other social media outlets. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the Fin side.